0: So go to Amazon on March 8th, and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late, and you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon, and today we have a special episode of a friend of mine, Mr. Ned Shout. Ned is absolutely amazing, and the story he's going to share with you today will wow you. He's such a strong leader of household. He's so open and transparent in his struggles, and his wins. Uh, He's just a a really great human being. And as we get into the interview today, Ned is gonna share how he lived his values and how literally when there was a health challenge in his family, his family moved to a new environment where there was cleaner air. And they moved literally overseas from the mainland to Hawaii. He's gonna share a story about how he hit a wall where he was going to live this dream, and it all came crumbling down. And one day, he did deep soul searching and found a new way and rediscovered his purpose. He's going to share with you how he's now successfully running a business virtually, and since he moved overseas or moved to, uh, moved to a different island of Hawaii. He's going to talk about being a strong father figure and how these principles have uh, grown inside of him he's going to share the thoughts around embracing the struggle as the key to overcoming your challenges. Amazing interview today with Mr. Ned Shout. He's also an avid deep journaler. He's got a trick or a tip uh, that I've never even heard of before. And I instantly began doing it in my planning. Well, I'm going to ask for some patience and grace from you today, friends. I'm going to ask you uh, to forgive me for something. This conversation is so rich with content. Somehow when my producer reached back out to me and said, hey, Matt, your microphone didn't catch your voice the same way it normally does. What that meant when I listened to it was it didn't sound the exact same. It's like I was on a speakerphone or something. So I'm going to ask for your forgiveness and, and, and grace with me on this one because I may not sound like the same microphone that I've been using. Uh, so patience and grace there. We are really going to live the value of progress, not perfection, uh, because we really want to get this great content out to you today, my friends. This also, this interview, uh, Ned has some great information, great news. He's got a book that's coming out. I encourage you to, to look in the show notes uh, to go and get one of the copies The book about being a strong father to sons and also another book is coming out soon being a strong father to daughters so here comes the interview without any further ado with my good friend mr ned shout enjoy hello and welcome to the eternal optimist podcast the show for optimists by optimists This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. Madness is the next person I'm going to introduce and say, oh my God, I'm totally screwing this up, Ned. I just totally had a mind blank because I looked at your name and I know that, oh my God, I can't believe it. I get on stage sometimes. I, I get a deer in headlights and public speaking sometimes. I'm able to instantly recover and just go and flow. And I feel like I hit a wall when I looked at your name. It's Ned Shout. Like, yell.
1: Shout. Yep. Shout it out, baby.
0: <laughs> Ned Shout, man. i I am so pleased to be with you today uh, on our podcast. And first of all, I'm looking at you. It looks like you're in a van down by the river, but it's not down by the river. Where are you right now recording this, Ned?
1: Pretty close, man. I am in my camper van office sitting down here on the beach in Hawaii. I'm looking out the window watching some surfers right now.
0: Amazing. That's totally unexpected. Uh, When you showed up, I was expecting, like most people, an office, a cool Zoom background. Your background is the Pacific Ocean.
1: That's right, baby, in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I I recently saw you at the Front Row Dad's Retreat. You flew in from Hawaii to Nashville, so it was great to see you, and uh, it's just an honor to have you on today. And we're going to go in a number of different directions today, Ned. I'd say the first thing uh, I'd love to ask, if people who are listening really wanted to know you, then what are a couple things that they would need to know about Ned Shout?
1: Yeah, you know what? I think that's such a great question because then it makes me think about myself a little bit. I think what people would know if they knew me is they'd know I'm a dude who's just trying to grow as a husband, as a father. They'd know that I adore my wife. Like every day I'm striving to cherish her. It doesn't mean I don't get mad as hell at her sometimes, but I cherish and adore my wife. We've been married 18 years. I got five kids. I thought I'd have two boys, but I have four girls. And thank God, God gave me one boy on my birthday. They'd know that my birthday's 4th of July. And my twins, Brody and Presley, were born on my birthday, which was super rad. So, so like every year, it was, okay, here's something people would know about me if you really knew me. My grandfather was a Marine. And he bought this American flag that's like bigger than a garage door. It's enormous. And I've been taking pictures in front of that American flag since I was one years old, right? Because he would put it up on 4th of July. And then now the deal is every year I hold my twins in my arms. And it's just as long as I can possibly do that, I'm going to hold them. And now they're going to be 13 this year. So I got to probably start doing some pushups um, to hold them uh, in front of the flag. So that's something. I've been taking a picture in front of this flag and I'm 38. I'll be 39.
0: Well, that that's amazing I, I I never know where i'm gonna i'm gonna get from you because you're so fascinating you've got so many different angles and so much depth and, and one thing i just felt i'd never knew that you had like kind of the military marine background i wonder what kind of influence uh, did having a marine grandfather have on your upbringing or on you
1: okay well here's the, the impact it had on me he was a chef or a cook So the impact it had on me is when I'd go to his house, he'd make spaghetti, but he'd make it for like the whole week, right? Because he's used to cooking for a thousand dudes. So we just have to eat spaghetti for a week. So I guess that's the impact. (laughs) Uh, The other is that his haircuts, because he was a barber after the military, his haircuts were so aggressive uh, as a child. He just grabbed the back of your neck so hard and it'd be like four minutes or less and you'd have a buzz cut. I think those are the the impacts.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, so we got Ned shout here spaghetti and uh, watch out for the haircut. So thank you. I we like to have a little fun and you know, make some jokes and smile. So I think I can always do that around you. I feel really comfortable around you doing that. Now let's go to something a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, one of the things on our podcast we want to do is we want to help inspire people and provide hope. Um, because when you see someone who is successful in their life, and you think, Oh, man, it must have been easy for them. Now I look at you. Oh, Ned, he's good looking. He's he's strong. He lives in Hawaii. I mean, it must have been easy for him. And in reality, I think everyone's got some stuff that they've had to overcome or endure in their lives. And I know you've got some things to share that you've endured, you've overcome, and things you're still dealing with. And you know, I consider you to be massively successful on a number of different levels. And I would love to invite you to share at any point you'd like to begin, either in early childhood or now in present day, share some challenges that you've, you've endured and overcome.
1: Yeah. As you asked me this question, there's there's sort of three areas that I think of uh, that, that come to mind. One is grew up in California, uh, went to a private Christian school, you know, was very involved in youth group and church and all this stuff. So my life is easy and cush, right? I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty easy cush. My parents are married. I have one brother, great health. So in that sense, so much going for me. I think the first hurdle that I really encountered was growing up in the church, which I still would call myself a follower of Christ. And and that's still an important piece of my life. But one of the big challenges was always being told God has a purpose for your life. And that was actually very crippling for me because it, it really made me struggle because I was always searching for this thing instead of just like really being myself because I was always thinking I was missing out or making some guy in the clouds unproud if I didn't do the right thing. And so for the most part, I think I've overcome that. But that's just taken years of, I think, self-development. And I think what's really helped is having kids myself, is you see how much you love your kids. And I use this example a lot. If my son comes in and is like, Dad, should I surf today or should I ride my skateboard? I'm like, dude, I don't care. What makes you happy? Like, what do you feel like doing? And so I feel like if that's how I love my son, then that's probably how God loves me. So if I want to, you know, do X or Y, I, I think it's less about doing the right thing and just pursuing like the opportunity to live and breathe. So that's obstacle one. And there was really, if you have a question, you can ask me. But there was like a, a a real tipping point for a shift for me that I'll share. But any questions that you have from what I said so far?
0: To pursue the opportunity to live and breathe. Uh, when did that philosophy or that mantra start to start to resonate or, or kind of come up for you, Ned, in this journey?
1: So in 2015, so my whole dream, my life was to open a youth center. That's what I thought I was going to do is open a youth center and it'd be like the world renowned youth center for teens, then blah, 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 blah. And in 2015, it was supposed to happen. I had a 40,000 square foot building. This woman was giving to me. She spent a million and a half dollars on the skateboard park. Like, I mean, the place was amazing. I want to say Epic and that was its name. It was Epic. Long story short, she was going to give it to me and I was going to run the youth center out of it. And then it just didn't, it just didn't work out. There was like this moment, it didn't work out. And so that was where I spent about a year really self reflecting and feeling like who is Ned, who is Ned, who is Ned, because this thing I was supposed to do in life didn't work out like that was my purpose that was finally going to fulfill what God wanted me to do. And it didn't work out. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time at the beach in Northern California, And kind of came to this realization that as a man, I want to be respected, valued, needed, loved, and know that I'm leaving a mark on this earth. And I was searching for that in a a skate park or in a job or a career, blah, 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 blah. And I realized that those things could be found in my home. And so that was really when I started investing more into my family. And that's where Rebel and Create, that little mantra was born. To rebel against the idea that my purpose is out there somewhere else in the world and that I could create a home where my where I'm fulfilled, and then what's so cool is once I did that, then my wife is more fulfilled, and my kids are more fulfilled because I'm putting this energy into them versus something I'm building outside of my home.
0: Yeah, I I feel this is this the passion you just brought up right here, and the way you're speaking right now—that is the Ned that I have known since day one. And just to hear that you know, seven years ago this incident happened you know, and we don't need to recap every detail. I'm I'm curious uh, as to when this did happen. You went in this journey of self-reflection and you woke up and realized that it's right here. The family is right here. My, My purpose is right here. Can you take me back to, you know, when you felt that it was from the external, from there, and then it became the inner with the family, that year or that moment? Help us understand what Shift it for you, please.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's a combination of things, right? But two two moments that come to mind is one, sitting on the beach, leaning, leaning up against this tree. I was staring out at the ocean, watching the waves, and... I was just really like, what matters most, you know? And, and when everything was carved away, I was like, man, my marriage, like my marriage matters so much to me. And it's so important for my kids' stability in life From for this. And then, you know, I was thinking in that same moment, how hard I had worked to get, you know, kids to come to youth group and go pick up kids and try to get the football kids to want to come and try to make it cool for the skater kids. I'm like jockeying so hard for somebody else's kids. And I remember actually one time driving to this guy's house. Okay. I'm going to get this teenage girl. She's like 16, probably home life is not that great. And she's coming to youth group for two hours a week. And I'm thinking, man, I get two hours to, to try to impart some wisdom to her. Her dad sees her every morning, every night is there for, you know, is around this mother effort should be the one like really helping her in her life. Not that I didn't want to, not that I don't think like a youth leader is important to have like outside, but I just realized, dude, her dad is sending her with me hoping she's going to change because she spent two hours with me versus him really showing up for her. So there was this conviction that case okay, so, like the underlying thing is if I really wanted to have the largest youth center in the world, I don't need to go solve other kids problems. I need to help dads in their own homes lead their families well. And the thing is, is if they were to do that, their sense of fulfillment would be so deep, you know, they, it would be so deep. So that all kind of happened in reading journals and reflecting on things that were going on in that year. And those were two things that happened that really led me to have that conviction that my number one role and purpose in life is to love and serve my family. And to die to myself doing it and to serve them, not this top of the pyramid patriarch, but this flip that pyramid upside down, serve from the bottom up and like go to battle for it, right? Like this is the battle we're fighting for.
0: I just want to honor and appreciate you for everything you just shared. One of the things that really resonated most to me is you sat down, you were there in California, you sat down and asked the question, what matters most? And I, I think that surface level, many people may ask that question once in their life, if ever, what matters most, they may not go that deep into it. And you had a place where you were at a crossroads and you you sat down and you asked that question, what matters most? I wonder as someone who, when I look at you now, and I'm sure our listeners can feel this, you have so much conviction, so much passion for who you are or for your family and for how you serve uh, as leader and as father. I wonder how often might you ask yourself now or affirm to yourself now that same question, what matters most? I mean, how how does that play a part in your life
1: right now? Yeah, great question. So I think it really, it has to be at least an annual thing, you know, if not more often. So what I have done the last few years is I remember, you know, being involved in church. I remember seeing the pastor go on like a one week retreat or a couple day retreat to like, okay, what are we doing this next year? And then you see CEOs do the same thing. You know, they're going to go on a couple day retreat a year, like what matters for our business. So maybe seven years ago, I started doing that for my family. I'm like, whoa, I- I'm probably, I may not be a, pastor of a church forever, this church forever. I may not be the CEO of this company forever, but I'm the father of this family forever. So you better believe it matters for me to go do some self-reflection, to go read my journals, to go ask some questions of myself, like what matters most. So it's at least annually I'm asking that question.
0: Yeah, love it. Uh, thanks for for blessing us with that. And I think that you would shared, if I got this right, helping dads in their own homes, uh, you know, be better leaders in their family. And that took the place of externally going and seeking that validation in the youth center. And now it's a place where you are leading your family and hoping to inspire other dads uh, and leading their families. And that has become the new purpose and mission out there. Loved it. Thank you. Okay, great. Well, so we made some progress. I, I want to... so,
1: so there's one other challenge I thought that would be helpful for your listeners. Having five kids. Okay, so and then we could jump into to the next thing. In 2008, we moved. Okay, we moved and I went from making six figures to pursuing this, starting to pursue this youth center where my income got cut down to like a fifth of what I was making. At that time, we thought everything would be fine, but then we had the surprise twins. So it was like, we had a three-year-old a 4-month old and then oh my gosh I'm pregnant and it's twins. So at that time I made a shift and I'm like oh my gosh I got to do something to feed my family so I went to start selling health insurance for this guy and I started off at I think $1800 a month and then I was making 1800 a month at the church as a youth leader. So I went from making six figures down to 3600 and we were getting free cheese and milk from the government. So this is 2008, right? We have four kids Under the age of four, I'm working multiple jobs to try to feed my family. I'm trying to make this health insurance thing work because reoccurring revenue, it seemed like a good option. Um, I was decent at sales. That was rough. We call the year the twins were born. They were born in um, 2009. We call that the dark year because it was like, we were so broke and I remember standing in line once with the, the coupons to get like formula from the store. And my poor wife did this crap all the time, man. I was We were talking about the other night, like I feel so bad. But but the thing is, is the system was there to help us then, right? But that lit a fire under my butt to to grow, you know. So since then, I bought my business partner out. I bought the guy out. Uh, I started at 10% owner and then I bought him out in 2018. Now I've got uh, seven employees. We're trying to hire two more. And we're we're living on the beach in Hawaii, right? So that was 12 years ago, broke, free food, free cheese from the milk, milk and cheese from the government to now living on the beach in Hawaii, having the flexibility to make some big decisions. And the only reason we live here is because our son, his, he had a lot of health issues, breathing in California. And uh, we found out that it was all environmental. So we sold everything and moved here a year ago. But we had the flexibility to do that because of the work my wife and I had done, you know, since 08, 09 up to, you know, 2021 when we when we moved here.
0: So two real big, big challenges that I want to kind of clue in here. One of them is that at the beginning of that 12 years ago, that cycle, you, you talked about, you know, having the twins and, you know, four kids under four living on the government on, on money and uh, on government cheese and, and milk. And I understand that that also has come in, in my family's history. We've also had come from a very, uh, very, very poor beginning and very, very humble background. And to hear you share that story, I'm wondering, how did you keep going at that time when, you know, financially, it was a real struggle? Like, what was your your daily routine or your mantra or whatever it was that helped you to make the next step, Ned?
1: Yeah. So great question. One is walk through one more door, make one more call, right? So always just do just do more. If I'm feeling like, dude, I just want to go home or I want to be done, make one more call, walk through one more door, tell, have one more person tell me to go piss off, fine, whatever. And then I think that this kind of sums up, the probably this statement my wife made probably sums up where we were in the sense of I'm grinding, she's grinding, but showing that we were still in tune. One night we're laying in bed and dude, it was like, how are we going to freaking get this all? Like, how are we going to get out of this? And, um, she knew I put in a hard day and she rolled over. We're like falling asleep. You know, like when you're like falling asleep, she rolls over, kind of puts her hand on my chest and her head's right next to mine. And she's just like, you're a really good man. And that statement right there was like, dude, that'll carry me forever, bro. Like, you think I'm not going to get up tomorrow and just kick the day's ass? No way. No way I'm not going to do that. So with that being said, we call it the dark year, but we were both doing something right to where we trusted each other and made it happen. You know, we weren't victims to our circumstance. It's all an opportunity. Every Everything's an opportunity. And I think that's just how we looked at it.
0: Uh, bingo. Love, love love that mentality everything is an opportunity you know and and i go back uh to the point where she put her hand on your chest and and what i'm feeling is she said that i i believe in you uh and when i get that affirmation i'm a words of affirmation person when i get that i'm like on fire i'm ready to go i'm ready to run through brick walls uh so to hear you share that story that's inspiring to hear uh and yeah it may have been a dark year and the other side of dark is light that's the message i'm feeling you know, that's the message of our show. And, you know, thank you, Ned, for that. So let's fast forward to the second challenge. Uh, you'd mentioned that uh, you made the move to Hawaii that you're, you're there was a health challenge with your son. And I'd love to, you know, go back if, if we can, you know, I know this could be challenging and painful. I wonder when you first discovered this, you know, how you may have dealt with that. And, you know, what led you to finally make the move to Hawaii?
1: Yeah, so my son's going to be 13 in July. And ever since he was born, it was, you know, he had asthma, he had breathing issues, it was like, he had to, get his adenoids out twice. So he had to have, you know, have surgery a couple times. And we did, you know, all these breathing treatments. I mean, every night he had this little elephant uh, thing for his, his breathing treatment. And we do his breathing treatment. And it was just like, it was just the routine. And there'd be little pockets of seasons where my wife would just come to me just, in tears like our son can't breathe and he's on steroids and this that and the other and we tried all these things and then fast forward to January 2020 it was the first you know we bought an RV as a family because I'm like I got five kids I can't afford to fly anywhere but so we had an RV but January 2020 it was like hey I can afford to fly my family on a vacation and so we get to Mexico we're at you know wherever and Sarah's like oh my gosh Brody's breathing out of his nose And it was this wild epiphany of it's all environmental. And we went back and we did some more allergy testing and we realized it was the oak trees where we live that was really causing all the issues. And so you know, she's like, well, maybe we could move, move somewhere in an environment like this. And it's like, well, you, Hawaii, well, that doesn't sound reasonable. So then long story short, COVID hit, we came to Hawaii for two months just to see how he would do. He did perfect. And then we came home and we just had the conversation, like, can we make this happen? We started looking where else could we live? Where else could we do good? We took him to Utah. We did some testing there. It didn't, he didn't get any much better. Nothing was helping. And he had been doing allergy shots. And the doctor was like, Hey, listen, he's not getting, any better. So if you can move, you should just move. Otherwise, he's just going to live like this forever. So man, we just said, let's move. So we sold everything. We told our family it was super sad, very hard. I mean, there was times where we'd have to remind ourselves, like, dude, this is really hard, but we're doing it for our son. Um, I mean, dude, there's times where at people we'd be camping or we'd be at people's houses, and he couldn't breathe. And him and I would get in the car at 2 a.m. and go drive somewhere with cleaner air, and then we'd sleep in the car. And then him and I would drive back and get the family from someone's house or whatever. Like, say there was a fire, like a fire in someone's house, or a pet, or something that caused more issues for him. I mean, him and I slept on porches at people's houses before because he'd be like, couldn't breathe in the middle of the night. So it was definitely an issue that we had to keep reminding ourselves of. And the move has been hard, especially for my daughters, my older ones, like making new friends and doing new high school and whatnot. But overall, it's killer, man. It's killer. And it's he's doing better. His life is fantastic. So there's a lot to the story, but that's kind of the the, the high points.
0: Amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm almost moved to tears over here just thinking about you did all of this for your family, 100% living the values that you've shared uh, so far on this call. You you have lived those 100% all for your family. And I just want to honor you for that, man. That's such a uh, thank you. Thank you for being someone who lives and they are who they say they are. That, that There's no better way to show that than to just take your action. And you did. So thank you for that. I'd love to you know, ask you, moving from California to Hawaii, moving anywhere from the mainland to Hawaii, it sounds like there are some challenges baked into that, a uh, different environment, uh, how you run your company, how the adjustment of your children. I mean, who do you need to show up as right now for your wife, for your kids, uh, for your company? Who is Ned need to show up as right now you know, to make sure that you weather that storm or that you make the best of it.
1: Yeah, great. So, you know what? I, I think that it's really pushing me to become more efficient. So I'm in a little bit of a reset right now because we've been here about a year. I haven't personally been on island for more than three weeks in a row because I've been having to fly back for work. But, you know, COVID in some was a huge blessing to work from home more, this whole like work from home thing. So my team's actually all work from home for five years, but then now it's not looked down upon as weird because of COVID. So most of my clients know I live here, but they wouldn't know difference, right? I just set all my meetings up for one week but most are Zoom anyways. So really to answer the question, how I need to show up is I'm actually trying to do a reset. I haven't found a good rhythm yet since we've moved here. I have really been trying to put my family first. So I think that's maybe why my business is suffering a little, or maybe you could say I'm suffering with my calendar a little bit because I've been putting so much emphasis on making sure my family feels settled. Like, dude, when we moved here, we moved into a 900 square foot condo, all seven of us. And so it was like two kids were in one room, three kids were in another room, and then my wife and I had a murphy bed in the living room. (laughs) So it was like, it was a cool adventure, but it was a little bit much. So, you know, I realized very quickly that they needed a house. So, you know, Thank God we were able to move into a house uh, after six months. So now we're in a house. Everybody's got a little bit more space. But I would say I'm. That's a that's a, that's a new challenge. A new challenge is a reset. And you know, two things that I'm taking heavy action on now is I'm getting out of a business group I'm in. I'm in a group, and I'm going to get out of that because there's a meeting I have to be at once a month in Sacramento. So I'm getting out of that, which is difficult, but it matters more for my family. And then the other one is I have a marketing company as well that I've been trying to get off the ground, and I realize I just don't have the effort to do it. So I'm just going to dump it. You know, it has a ton of upside, but I just, it's like, dude, sometimes, so when I do my planning every year, check this out. When I do my planning, if I have like a three-year goal, five-year goal, 10-year goal, I write out what the ages of my kids and my spouse will be at those marks as well. So like I had this epiphany when I was working on agency leverage as the marketing company. I was like, okay, well, when it's going to do X, you know, dollars, whoa, Brooklyn's going to be 20. Oh shit she ain't going to work here or live here anymore like it just puts a mad perspective to go this little pocket of life that I'm living isn't going to be this way ever. like all five of my kids aren't going to wake up in my home for the rest of my life this is ending if you know in 3 years there's only going to be four kids waking up here you know, And then in seven years, only three kids. So I was like, man, as much as it would be rad to build this company and it's cool and sexy and whatever, dude, it doesn't matter more than hanging out with my kids. So I'm dumping those two things right now. So those are two things in the challenge that I'm in. I got to do more, but I'm, I'm working on that.
0: And then, Wow. Again, I mean, I, there are so many nuggets you just dropped right here. I want to bring back two of them to make sure that anyone listening captured these two things. One, uh, is that when you're all there, all seven of you are there in a tighter, more confined space than you are used to, you called it an adventure and you were smiling. As I'm looking at you, you're smiling. So many people, this is a, a place where they're like complaining. There's a, there's a victimhood mentality. There's a, you know, this is happening to me and you're over here smiling as you recount it and you're calling it an adventure. and, and, To to live in a camper or to even be where you're at right now recording this from a camper on the beach in Hawaii, you've got to have a sense of adventure. So I want to honor your sense of adventure when there's a challenge you're viewing as an adventure. That might in itself might be an opportunity. Uh, So I love that. Number two, you had that tiny little detail there. So important, tiny detail of when you're doing your annual planning or any kind of planning. You're writing the kids' names down or the kids' ages down there so you can look forward in the future. Again, back to living your values back to living very congruently. And I respect you for that. So those are a couple notes. Out of curiosity, any particular reason why you've decided to uh, to grow the beard this long? Because I look at your beard right now and I'm very intimidated <laughs> since I don't grow facial hair. Uh, can, you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about why the beard long? It's pretty amazing and intimidating.
1: Okay. So the beard really it like, if you, if, if those listening, you're like, Oh, it's like a huge, like a foot long. No, it's not. It's like, you know, maybe an inch and a half, two inches off my face. So the beard is, I keep it somewhat around an inch and a half to two inches. It's the mustache, right? So I saw a picture of a guy who had just like a beard, but then the gnarliest mustache that just like came out like three inches on each side. And so that's what I've been working on is like growing this mustache out. So it's just super epic. But I'll tell you, it's a real struggle because making out with my wife with this disgusting mustache is like, damn it, there's hair everywhere. So I don't know, man. I'm gonna try and keep it as long as I can, but I don't know. It's kind of putting a little stifle on on sexy time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you're gonna show up at the front row dad's retreat and you're gonna have uh, no facial hair i'm not gonna (laughs) recognize you
1: i'm just gonna have a beard and shaved mustache
0: (laughs) beard and shaved mustache sweet Sweet. Well, I'm glad we got a good time when we're talking about some of these things. And I'd love to shift the discussion and move to the future or move towards what we're creating. And, you know, the name of your logo, I see Rebel and Create. I'm a follower, by the way, of your podcast, and we'll we'll, we'll pay some honor and, and respect to that here. I'd love to ask you uh, about your podcast, Rebel and Create, and uh, talk a little bit about how that came to be and, and why that is so important to you.
1: Yeah. So if I go back to 2015, when I had that epiphany of like Rebel and Create for my own mantra, I remember sitting in in church one day and looking around at men, and I felt like they were disengaged. And I was looking around, not paying attention, so I was probably disengaged. And I'm like, "Why are these dudes even here?" You know, I'm looking. Okay, that guy's a cop. That guy's a construction guy. That guy's a manager at Target. Like, I'm like, I can see their faces now, and I'm like, "Man, I bet they feel the same as me. Like, they maybe thought they were going to do something in life, but then they had a family, so now they're in these careers." So I wrote a book called Rebel and Create, and and it was just all about me really discovering that my wife, kids, blah 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 was like most important. So I, I wrote that book. And when I put it out, my coach at the time was like, dude, no one's going to care about this. What are you going to do after? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know, I guess I'll do a podcast for six months. I'll try it. And then I just loved the podcast so much. I actually just posted up, I think my 225th episode this week. So I started doing the podcast and it's fatherhood field notes. And I just interview Average Joe, like average Joe's anybody, right? Anybody, everybody's got a story, and I love the podcast. And then I've always loved journaling, and so I created a journal for dads. It's like a ninety-day journal. The whole intention was like, I want to share with other dads who they are. That's it. I just want to help dads discover who they are through the process. I realized it's really hard to capture a dad's attention, right? Dads, they're so they just got so much going on. So I've been trying to find the right medium to communicate to a dad how important he is and how important his role is. And so it started with the book and it's like, eh, some dads will read books. And then it was the journal. And it's like, yeah, a lot of dads aren't gonna journal. And then it's the podcast. And, you know, I think a dude will see, oh, Matt Trinkham's on there. I wanna listen to that, you know? So they might listen to like a podcast or two, but probably not all of them. And so now I'm at this point where I was like sending out these gifts to new dads. So you could order one on my website. It's a box. It's a welcome to fatherhood. It's called Adventure of Fatherhood. And the whole idea was like, if I was having a kid and you were my homie, you could send me a box and say, Ned, welcome to fatherhood, bro. You got what it takes. And it would be kind of the start of welcoming a dad into fatherhood. But what was in there was my book and journal. And it's like, no dad cares about that at this point. What I I had this idea that I wanted to create something that was just so easy for a dad to hold and look at and go, oh, cool this is about me. And so what I created was a kid's book. So I created a children's book and it's for a, I I have one coming out right now. It's a father, son, and then I'm 75% done with a father daughter. And the whole idea is you could give this to a new dad or a dad with young kids. And when he looks at it, the hope is he looks at the cover and he's like, damn, I am cool, man. My role is important. And it's just a real, easy way to show him how awesome he is. It's not requiring him like 12 steps to be a new dad or journal for 90 days. It's just a little bit of a, let me show you who you are. And then my hope is he goes and finds front row dads and order of man and whatever else is out there. Like it maybe just sparks a little bit of a, an idea of, I want to grow, right? I'm creating that kid's book, man. And right now I have a Kickstarter campaign up where people can go and be a part of it and support the project and, and help me get it out into the hands of thousands of dads to help help them discover who they are and there's more to it so i mean whatever you want wherever you want to go with it
0: uh, well first yeah i'd love to send the, that link and put it in there in the show notes so anyone that, that sees it can go and, and contribute and find out more uh wow where uh where do you feel we should go from here uh, and talking about either the book or talking about maybe the challenges that that fathers are facing and how we're helping to overcome those with your book or or with your podcast? Uh, I think there's so much we can learn from you, Ned. I'd love to give you open permission to take us where you feel we should go right now.
1: Yeah, totally. Okay. So what really helped me is I had the privilege, opportunity, honor to do a TEDx talk last year, I put 120 hours into this thing. And it really helped me hone down what was most important. And and so, so there's this section of it. And here's how it goes. You know, when you look around the world, and you see a homeless person, for example, or you see a foster kid, or you see, you know, poverty, or you see human trafficking, all these people had a dad. Now, I'm not blaming the dad for all the problems. But All these people had a dad. There was a man who contributed to making this person come to life. And so my belief is that if the dad knew who he was and showed up for this little human being, that their life would look different. Now, it's really easy to look at the statistics of how many kids are, you know, youth are in prison or men are in prison or, you know, uh, teen pregnancy and all these things. It's really easy to look at the statistics and, and say, oh, from a fatherless home, from a fatherless home, from a fatherless home. So clearly there's an issue with fatherless homes. So in the United States, there's 20 million children who live in a, in a, without a father in the home. So that's one in four, 25%. So that's huge. And we could all go, oh, yeah, because most of us listening are probably engaged with our family. So we're not a fatherless home. But here's the shift that I made in it, okay? What about the three and four dads who are living in their home? How often are they silent? How often are they not present? How often are they not engaged? And how different would our world look if those dads just knew who they were and then showed up as themselves, right? The world would look different. I mean, just a hundred years from now, five hundred years from now, if dads showed up loving their kids, creating stability in our homes, the world would look different. I mean, look around right now; our world is not stable, and we want to blame all these leaders and blah blah blah. But what if we just showed up in our homes, hundreds of thousands of men creating stability in their homes? A hundred years from now, our world's going to look different. So that's like to me the problem, and it's just the thing is that men just don't know who they are as a dad. No one's inviting them in, so you look at a mom, mom has a very clear rite of passage into motherhood, right? She grows a human for nine months. She feeds the baby from her body. She, She delivers the baby. Like, dude, is that the most barbaric, amazing miracle you've ever seen? And then she makes a lot of decisions for the baby when they're little. So it's a very clear rite of passage where for a father, I feel like they stumble into their role. Nobody invites them in. Nobody's showing them the way. And so my hope is that with this book, it is just a very small invitation to say, Matt, This is who you are, bro. Like, you are wild. You are a badass, and your life doesn't end when you become a dad. You're still a wild badass, but you get to take your son or your daughter on that adventure and get to teach them a lot. So, here's how the book goes The book starts off with a dude on a motorcycle in the desert, right? No helmet on, wind in the hair, just on the throttle, going. And it's like, yeah, dude, I'm still that guy. Like, I'm still wild. I'm not a passive little baby. And then he meets this girl. They get married, they have a baby and then the baby comes, okay? And then very quickly the baby is like 10 years old now, and then it goes into 10 affirmations. Okay, and it doesn't say this. It's just this is what the story does. So imagine you got a picture of a dad standing next to a son and the son sawing a piece of wood and in the background's a badass treehouse, right? And as the dad's reading this to his son, it's I will teach you the skills you need to fulfill your dreams. When you get to that page, you open it up and the son's like, whoa, cool treehouse dad. And the dad's like, oh, whoa, I am the guy to teach my son some skills, right? Like the hope is that he starts to realize like, oh, I am that dude. So there's 10 affirmations like that where the kid's really going to get absorbed in the imagery of like building a treehouse climbing, you know, learning how to rock climb, uh, dropping into a mini ramp on a skateboard, uh, planting a tree together, helping change a tire. And it goes through 10 things where the dad's like, hey, I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to show you this. And, and it's cool because so what happens is when the dad knows that he's having the baby, he adds a sidecar to the motorcycle, right? So it's not that his adventure of being a wild man is over. It's just that now he's bringing his son along and then the the dad daughter one will be that he's bringing the daughter along. And so that's the thing is like you're still on an adventure. You're still a wild Dude, but uh, you have this incredible opportunity to shape the life of a human being, and this human being just happens to be your child.
0: Quick break in the action here. Take a word from our sponsor. How you do anything is how you do everything. No matter what it is, it could be time at the breakfast table with your family, you give them your all in attention, it could be thinking time, thinking about your business you think about that one thing and you make progress in that one thing without getting distracted. It could be time with your significant other. It could be time on the phone with someone. You are not digitally distracted, watching on mute TV while you're on the phone with someone. When you are with a human being, when you are engaged in an important activity, you give it your very best shot. How you do anything is how you do everything. Stay present, friends. This message for the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I love the passion. I love everything you've just shared. I wonder how someone who's hearing this might borrow or ingest or you might inject in them some of this enthusiasm or passion for being a dad. Where might we start on this journey? Is it the book? Is it a journaling session? Like, Where's a good place to start if we're not sure how to really parent as a strong dad?
1: Man, that is such a great question. And it's, I think it's a hard question and, and and dude, like there are days where I feel like a crap dad or days where I feel like I'm not engaged or not passionate about it. But I think it's that constant reminder and whatever medium works for you, if it's like morning affirmations or if it's journaling or whatever it is, but you know, if you don't pause to remind yourself who you are and then decide to take steps towards that, the world's just going to decide for you. Your wife's just going to decide for you, right? They're supposed to be struggle in their home. They're supposed to be a little bit of a battle. Like that's so what makes us great. So what I would say is, at the end of the day, like the number one thing is, can you look in the mirror at yourself and just go, I, "It's good to be Ned. It's good to be Matt. Like I'm happy with who I am, and I'm going to continue to grow as this person." And and to go, hey Ned, like talk to myself in the mirror, Ned, you're a dad, dude. There's five kids. There's only five people on the planet that get to call you dad. And like, there's, there's got to be a conviction there. This matters. So if this matters, what does that mean? Not compared to what Ned's doing or Matt's doing or the neighbor down the street with a dad with the wakeboard boat. No, your kids don't need that dude. Your kids need you and only you to be their dad. Like you have something that no one else on the planet can give your kids except for you. Like your kids need you. And it's not doing something, it's being there. It's being present. Mm-hmm. Dude, it, mm-hmm. my daughter last night. I want to build yeah, on ahead. top
0: of that. I feel you just shared you just shared look in the mirror, and you know, you're 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 affirming yourself. And I feel that there's there's a place there where there's an inner drive, there's an inner place that can come alive and uh, for those who might need it externally. You know, I can share that, well, the way that we met, for example, is the Front Row Dads, and I can I can share that having a support system of someone else who's committed to it, they may not know how to get there, they may not know exactly what to do, but they are people that are committed to the idea. Get around those people, get around a support system that may be able to serve you in that regard. And that has been uh, incredibly transformational for me, You know, to be around a support system of other dads uh, who are committed to being great dads. And by the way, uh, there's not a manual that's specific that this is the perfect way to be a great dad. It's, we were all trying to figure this thing out. Having other people who are aligned on this thought of let's be the best dads we can be, let's show up as strong influences and strong and giving our time and investing that time with our families. To me, that's an external way you know, to make that happen. To have a good I think system. that's
1: so critical that you bring uh, up and one thought I want yeah. to share is there have been seasons of my life where so this is why I'm part of Front Row Dads as an example is I needed some friends who l- who were actually committed to the same thing because I realized a lot of my conversations with friends, like they're bitching about their wife, they're complaining about their kids and so they just, they weren't seeing themselves as who they are and you, if you find that your friend group is that, you gotta get out and get some mentors or some people in your life who are helping you to stay on like what you think is Most important because it's really easy to fall into negative complaining. You got to be around people who are positive.
0: That's very easy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I can think of a number of times when, you know, connecting with someone and, you know, the first thought is uh, around their spouses, you know, busting their balls, you know, or, uh, you know, even hearing sometimes just in passing conversation when I'm coaching the soccer team and hearing some of the parents on the sideline talking about uh, their spouse or what a hard time it is that they don't want to be here and they're on their phone the whole time. Uh, And I'm not saying that from a judgmental place. You know, I'm saying it from a place of I'm aware that that's happening and I choose to want to be around people like you, people like front row dads, people that are very engaged in being the best parents they can be. It's it's not from a place of judgment. It's from a place of intentionally designing and making a choice uh, that this is what I want to stand for, who I want to be in order to be the best version of that. I want that mm-hmm. support. I want to be around the people that are, have that same tailwind behind yes. me, going that way.
1: Um, it's so important, that, Ned. What's your next thought? Um, my next thought um, about support groups or about what?
0: Uh, well, I didn't, didn't have anything particular. Uh, let me let me take it in a totally different direction here. If there were a visual resource, whether it is a movie or a show or something that you and your wife have watched that have helped you uh, to connect better what might that be?
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Um, okay. So a couple of things that are like something that came to mind is what's that captain wonderful or something. It's a movie about a dad who has his kids living in a bus, um, and how he homeschools them. That's like the extreme. Um, and so I think what's interesting is like, that would inspire me to live a wild adventurous life, but something I've come to like this realization about my family is they need stability in a different way than I do as a man. So like, the idea of like always being on adventure or it's like example living in that 900 square foot condo. I would have been satisfied to live there forever. Right? That's, that would have been fine for me. But I realized my family needs a different level of stability. And so, as the leader of the home, I have to be in tune with them to know and anticipate their needs and then set us up for success. And so, that's what really led us to get out of that spot and move into the house. So, I think that, like the movie example or the visuals that have helped us, I honestly think, Matt, that sometimes the visuals can be a little bit uh, crippling because of Instagram, because of all the visuals we have. I think that we're like, well, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. And so it's a little crippling. So I think it's really important to almost pause and get away from some of the visuals and think what really matters to us.
0: Ned, I'd love to uh, go to our final question. And I'd love to look at any piece of advice that you might be able to offer anyone out there that might be suffering or challenged with any of the things that we've talked about today. What might be one final piece of advice? A challenge right now, whether it's around health or moving or, you know, self-confidence or parent. I mean, I just leave it wide open for you. We've talked about a lot today. Just Any last piece of advice, please, for anyone who's challenged?
1: When I think of somebody listening to this conversation, I think about, you know, they may be looking for hope, or they may be looking to overcome a challenge. And you're probably looking to lots of different resources to figure out what am I supposed to do? Or what is next? And I think it's just so important, you know, like we're talking about the you know, we're talking about past struggles for me. We're talking about the victories. And so, you know, when I was in those struggles, I didn't always see them as like, I didn't always see the victory. And, and I think sometimes we don't fully embrace the struggle because we're just hoping for the resolution. But if we talk about our lives, like I talked about my life just now. And if I talked about just, oh, it's so great growing up in the perfect little home in the perfect little town, you'd gain nothing from that you gained from hearing about my struggle. And so I think if you can just really enter into your struggle and go, this is just a season, this isn't going to last forever. And this story is probably going to help somebody else down the road, then really enter into it because it's not just going to help somebody else, it's going to help shape you depending on how you respond to that struggle. And honestly, like when we're in it, it it doesn't always feel good. There are crappy days. But if you could enter into the struggle and know that it's the thing that's shaping you, the other thing is sometimes if there's a big struggle I'm going through I'm like okay if I can overcome this it's going to set my son up for you know different struggles in the sense of he's not going to have to go through this because then I overcame this it's not part of who I am and hopefully it won't be a part of who he is so the struggle you go through is for you it's for your marriage it's for your few, your kids future kids relationships Um, the other thing I want to say is don't just take the information from me or from Matt trust yourself like don't do what Ned would do don't do what Matt would do trust yourself like the answer you need is inside you and for your family. So if you make a decision, trust yourself, you're not going to have all the information you need to make the decision. But if you make a decision, you could change it. You know, you, when you're on your way from A to B, you're going to end up at F or something else because you're going to learn new things along the way. So just move forward. Just keep moving forward.
0: Beautiful. Ned, I've uh, enjoyed our conversation. Enjoy your energy and passion, my friend. Uh, I'd love to share with our listeners. How can they find out more about you and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I love it. Thank you. So rebelandcreate.com. That's more like Ned's podcast, Ned's what he's up to. And then adventureoffatherhood.com. That is the children's book I'm putting out that will take you to the Kickstarter where I'd love for you to come and just learn about the book, learn more about what I'm trying to do. This is not about Ned, much bigger than me. Our world is in desperate need to be reminded how important fatherhood is. So if you'd like to be a part of that critical mission, uh, head over to adventureoffatherhood.com and be a part of getting this book into the hands of thousands of dads
0: fantastic thanks so much ned and, and i can i can attest to this i've listened to about 50 uh episodes of your podcast so far and i love it i'm a big fan of it wow the, uh team everyone <clears throat> here who's listening love it thank uh, you uh Ned's a great human being and i hope that you uh you know take these words to heart uh ned thanks so much today my friend take care
1: matt thank you thanks for listening to the eternal optimist
0: podcast You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.